name is Max, and welcome to Sonic Dorms. On today's episode, I have a very special guest, the one and only Michael Wilton of Queens Rec, now heading into a 40-plus year career. They're one of the pivotal, to me, bands in the progressive metal uh, community and, and just in the universe of what I consider to be progressive metal, at least what you know of it today. So with that being said, uh, welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks for uh, coming on. Right on. It's good to be here. Yeah. Um, Digital Noise Alliance, your 16th studio album is out now. Uh, fantastic release. It really is a progression of what's come before in the last uh, nearly a decade now that Todd's been in the band as uh, the lead vocalist, uh, starting with the self-titled back uh, in 2013. I, I uh, would like to say um, thank you for continuing to deliver the goods. I think this is a strong release. And uh, I really feel like people that, especially people of uh, fans of yours from that initial run from 80, 82 to 94, let's say, to me, this is a perfect pickup for fans of that specific era of Queensryche. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's an evolution, you know, and it's uh, a growing thing with us in progress. I think, uh, you know, now that Todd's been in the band, you know, around 10 years, uh, it's it's something that you know the lineup now is just really uh an amazing chemistry you know and uh we work together we tour a lot we work hard you know and and um i think it shows in the recordings um they progress in a certain uh way that you know it's just down the path of of queensryche and um you know i'm i'm very happy with uh, uh the way the band is uh performing and, and just you know getting along and and you know having a good time and having fun what we're, at what we're doing um you know i think um coming out of a pandemic it was a you know a really bummer um it was it sucked for everybody you know but uh for us it's it was we had amazing momentum going and then it kind of got taken away from us and then <clears throat> you know now it's like and and with all bands you know it's like it, it's kind of uh just pushing the envelope i guess you know and i think we really uh tried to push ourselves uh and make something uh really special with uh digital noise alliance if you don't mind, one of the things I like uh, doing on this show, especially for first time guests, is going back to the roots of it all, the origin story, if you will. So if you wouldn't mind sharing a bit about what got you initially into music to begin with and what and what made you want to fall in love with all this and become a part of a band and write music and, and tour. What, what really was that spark for you? Um, I, I grew up in a, a family that you know, had a, a vast awareness of different styles of music. So as a young kid, I was always listening to different types of music, like, um, you know, jazz, fusion, rock, uh, metal, pop, uh, classical, all, all that. And I think, um, you know, I was, uh, I was into sports, actually. I was uh, uh, into baseball when I was in high school. And, uh, you know, I was teetering with, with that and, and, uh, playing guitar and, you know, I think just 
coming up in the 80s, it was so inspirational. You know, being a young kid, you know, you're like a sponge just absorbing everything. You know, you open the door to uh, just amazing guitar players, you know, as as you become a, a little more sophisticated in your, your palate as far as listening. Um, and, you know, that's kind of how it, it all got started. You know, I, I, after I left high school, um, I went to the Cornish Institute, Institute of Allied Arts in Seattle, Washington. And there I learned, uh, you know, uh, classical guitar. I studied with a guy that, you know, lived on the beaches of Spain and uh, learned from, you know, masters over there. And uh, um, I took classes in gamelan, which is Tibetan uh, rhythmic music, um, jazz workshops, improvised jazz workshops, all this stuff that kind of, uh, you know, fueled the brain as far as, um, you know, what I was inputting. Um, but that, you know, I did that for a year and a half and basically, you know, the funds stopped and, uh, you know, I, I kept, uh, uh, in touch with some of my friends, some of my guitar friends, um, you know, I, I gained the, uh, the nickname, the whip from my guitar friends who said that, uh, you know, I whipped on the guitar. Um, and that's something that just stuck, you know, it's still my nickname today. Um, but yeah, I met, I met the guys, you know, back then, you know, we were like 18, 19, 20, you know, and, you know, we just had a, a mutual love for, for, you know, hard rock guitar. And back then it was more of, uh, you know, pop radio, top 40 kind of stuff that you heard on the, the, the rock stations, right? It wasn't that inspiring for, for young kids like us that wanted, you know, loud, heavy music. Um, so we, we grasped the whole metal invasion that was happening over in Europe and the UK. And we would go to the record stores and, and check all the imports. And that's where you know, you, you, you start becoming aware of, uh, you know, I, I started becoming aware of, of like, uh, dual guitar bands like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. And, you know, it's, it was, it was so cool back then. And I think all of that just kind of, I don't know, you just, it just formulated and, 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 gave me a, a path in music, I, I would say. And, you know, and at that time, we were, we had day jobs, just like everybody else, you know, we had to pay the bills. And, and but um, at night, we would go into the studio, and we decided, hey, let's write some original music. And um, we had four songs that we uh, recorded from midnight till eight in the morning. 
it was the graveyard shift at Triad Studios in Renton, Washington, Redmond, Washington, excuse me. And, um, you know, so we had this badass uh, cassette of, of these demos and um, we took it to the uh, Easy Street Records store where we got all the uh, cool imports from, you know, Europe and played it for the store owners and they, they loved it. You know, they said, um, you know, we want to back you and uh, press this into an album and, and get it out there. And, you know, we, we didn't really know any better. So it's like, yeah, okay. Sounds good. And uh, so we did that. And then, uh, A magazine in the UK called Kerrang! did this article on us called Armed and Ready and had our picture in it and, you know, said really kind words about our uh, our four-song EP. And that's when it just took off. And, you know, it was all of a sudden, uh, it was being played on the local Seattle radio stations and nobody believed it was us. You know, they, they thought it was, uh, you know, a European band and, um, you know, subsequently, uh, you know, that led down the, down the road to signing a, a major deal with uh, EMI records, and, um, a couple of showcase, uh, performances with the band, zebra um and then it was off you know to opening up for like uh quiet riot at the texas jam it was i think we went from playing a uh a two two thousand seater to like a eight thousand you know festival and we were opening up for the band Axe, who was opening up for Quiet Riot. And this is when Quiet Riot was huge. Um, Metal Health had just come out. It was like probably like 82, 83, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so for, for me, it was like, you know, I had to pinch myself. Am I really doing this? Is this, uh, you know, is this really happening? Do you, do you so, recall, do you recall, I'm sorry to interrupt, but do you recall the reception at the time when people first heard that initial, you know, you coming out of the gate with that first EP? Did you, do you remember how people reacted to the music? I think, you know, people were, were interested in us. Um, it definitely uh, uh, piqued uh, curiosity in, in fans. And it's, it's something that, you know, it, it, it just spread like wildfire. It was, uh, you know, soon, you know, we were opening for Twisted Sister and then opening for Dio and then, you know, traveling all over the world. And, you know, I'm, I'm like 22, 23 years old, you know, and it's like, um, you know, I go, this, this is the coolest thing, you know, I, I could ever imagine doing i mean my parents were really proud they they still said you know well you got to have something to back up in case this music thing 
you know, fails and it's like, no, I'm going for it. It, it, you know, it consumes you, you know, so you have to, uh, you live and breathe it every day. And, uh, you know, and, and just things just happened for us. It was, uh, I think it was, you know, the time in history when everything was flourishing in the music industry and, um, we were just in the right time, right place at the right time, you know? And, uh, we just took advantage of every opportunity and, and, and it was, uh, full bore from there. Uh, two things come to mind for, for myself. One of them being the, the recent, uh, Dio documentary dreamers never die was just released on a uh, showtime. So everybody's got a chance to watch it now. But um, do you have a Dio story considering you were on tour with Dio early on? Because I hear he was the nicest man uh, to everybody that he toured with to his, uh, to his opening act. So do you have a, a Dio story by any chance? Um, you know, he was such a, a gracious guy. He was, uh, I remember when we uh, first opened for him and, you know, he gave us, uh, you know, lights and pretty much full sound which never happened before. And, and, uh, I remember he had a, uh, a chef on the road with him, you know? So, and I had never, you know, some of us had never really eaten uh, Indian cuisine, you know, and he invited us, uh, you know, into his dressing room, and he had a little dining area set up and, 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 you know, he introduced us to, to Indian cuisine. I think that was one of the coolest things. Um, you know, he, it was, it blew us away. He was so nice and so gracious, but I think, uh, that was really cool. Right on. Uh, and another thing that I, that's always sparked my curiosity is, um, when it came to the band dynamics, you always had like the, uh, I guess I would say the more aggressive songs in the catalog. You had, you would have something like Enforce written by, uh, Chris DeGarmo on The Warning. And then you would come in with something like the title track Warning. Uh, you'd also have a song like The Needle Lies Off Operation Mind Crime or Surgical Strike Off Rage for Order. Was that always your take as a songwriter coming in with this more aggressive? Uh, material was that just something that was uh innate to you as a as a songwriter as a guitarist um you know i i think i tackled all you know styles of, of music as far as but you know my i think it's like what my input as far as you know like you said the the heavier riffing kind of stuff it, it's like i think that was it it balanced everything out you know because you know, we had the kind of more of the dynamic music and we had um, kind of uh, uh, mid-tempo-ish stuff. So sometimes it was, you know, you needed to inject something fast. And it's like, uh, I just happened to have lots of riffs that, that worked for that. Did it take you by surprise 10 years, about 10 years later after you had arrived to the scene, you coming out of uh, in you know Washington, and and then suddenly ten years later, you seeing the Seattle explosion happening. What, what, what was your take on all that? Considering you, Queensrÿch was probably one of the first bands artists to come out of Washington in such a big way, in such a monumental way. 
Yeah, I think, you know, as far as the the metal, the progressive rock and the hard rock, you know, we, you know, catapulted. And, and so I think we were kind of in our, you know, automatic uh, uh, way of, uh, you know, existing. And it's it's something that, you know, you, you see uh, technology changing. Um, the dynamics of the record companies were changing and you know a new a new crowd was coming in and they wanted something of their own and you know and, and that that all was great you know for all those bands especially all the bands from Seattle because we knew them all and uh um you know if for us it was it was uh a time of, of just a, a, a shift in, in the industry. And I think we weathered it. Um, we kind of went through some changes, probably like most bands do. And then, um, you know, I think we had such a, a you know, solidified following that it, it really didn't matter. Um, you know, we just kept doing what we do. And then the whole grunge thing happened. That was that was really great. You know, music got stale, I guess, and and this new music came in. So, um, but uh, you know, for us, it's it's always been been about you know a certain way we do things, and um, you know, weather trends and and things happen i don't think we we follow trends we just do what we do yeah you guys are uh, to me almost like the heavy metal uh pink floyd in a lot of ways and that you guys just kind of stuck to your guns every album has its own character uh you it, what really brings it all together is the consistency in the songwriting and there's always been there's that core that to me when people hear they'll identify certain uh aspects in the uh songwriting the the playing styles that people go well that that reminds me of the last record but outside of that really every album hold, holds its own sonic identity which i think is to me is one of the things that uh really had me personally gravitate towards the band early on yeah i think you know in our in our eyes that we uh we wanted to to make each album a little different you know we didn't want to copy the last album and you know ride the success off of it we wanted to you know push the boundaries of of the band so i think you know that is why you have you know such for queensrike fans you know the the, the legacy first six seven albums you know they're all fairly different um and that's you know that that's just the way that we are and i think that uh um one is that you know when we write what we're feeling and it's not i guess influenced by what's being played on the radio or what's the hot at the moment um and i think that we push the boundaries um we're, we're a band that you know when we're in writing and and recording in the studio it's more of a um a headphone experience you know it, it 
that's what it was for us. We wanted to make, you know, the the layers and make the music interesting, and um, you know, not just the mama beat four on the floor all the time. It was like it was. Uh, we did, you know, and that's where you know you you said that you know we're recognized as a progressive band, and that I think it's just that that we made the music interesting for us. Um, you know the the different time signatures and and the, the way that we uh, write music. I think it's just the way we are, you know, and how we do it. I mean, you want to please yourself as much as possible without, you know, alienating your your listeners and your fans. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's all about pushing the envelope and and moving ahead and 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 taking chances. So I think uh, that's just something we've always done. Yeah, I agree because my two of my favorite Queensryche records in the catalog are uh, Rage for Order and Promised Land. And to me, those records weren't um, digestible in a way that they got me on the first listen. It was more of a fourth, fifth time. Suddenly I heard all these layers and all these things and the songs finally like came to life in a whole new way that maybe on first impression, I didn't really get. But to me, that's the beauty of the Queensryche records. And I hear that a lot on the latest record, Digital Noise Alliance. And that first time I heard it, it was sort of just, it was like this, this almost like a cinematic experience in a way, especially on a sonic level. I know Zeus produced this and he produced the last couple of records prior to this. But to me, this really, there was almost like a Rage for Order quality to it sonically. And uh, probably about the fourth or fifth list and everything started to click in a way. So I, I felt very similar to like when I heard Promised Land the first time, which is almost like a sensory overload kind of experience, but in, in a great way, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, um, you find, you know, the, the songs that you listen to that have depth to them, you know, and that uh, you can keep listening to them over and over, you know, they're, they're multi-dimensional and it's, it's, it's subtle, you know, and it's not overdone, but it, it's, it's just, uh, um, it's, you know, we're a melodic band, you know, and, and the way that we, uh, write music, you know, just make it interesting. Yeah. And, um, now you have Mike Stone in the band as a uh, playing guitar alongside you. What's that feel like? I mean, he, uh, he had been out of the band for a while now he's back and, uh, How's that dynamic? I'm sure, was it a natural uh, thing getting back into the groove of things with Mike Stone? Yeah, it was. It was like riding a bike, you know. Yeah. So he just uh, he was available and he wanted to help us out and, and said, you know, we got we got some touring and um, would you be available? And he said, yeah. So it's it, and as far as a, a musician and a guitar player, he's totally proficient. You know, he's he's a badass guitar player. Uh, so, uh, and plus, you know, he, he had been in and out of Queensryche in the past and, and he already knew a bulk of the song. So it was when Parker decided to retire, it was like, uh, kind of a no brainer. So, and, you know, now that he's in the band and, and, you know, we've done some, a uh, couple of years of touring and, and, uh, it's it's really uh the band's really on fire right now it's, I, it's I, the the 
the you know the 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 personnel in the band it's it's a great chemistry and we're having a lot of fun yeah i mean i i i've always been rooting for you guys uh and and you guys were my favorite band like growing up and uh still are and and i was very happy to see uh sort of like the band get rebooted when it did in 2013 with with todd on vocals and and to me picking up sort of where my fair era left off so um i i'm excited about the future still and um you guys have the first date on your upcoming tour you're coming off the tour with priest now uh you're touring now full-fledged on this record digital noise alliance the first date is uh actually in orlando i will be there so i can't wait for that yeah, we're really excited about that. The uh, the DNA headline tour starts uh, the beginning of March, and uh, you know we have Marty Friedman and Trauma with us, so it'll be a a good good experience. It'll be a fun show, and you know obviously we're touring on the Digital Noise Alliance uh, album, so. Um, you know, we're looking to, you know, change the set list up a, a lot and really uh, pull some deep cuts as well as promoting uh, the latest uh, stuff with Todd. So it's going to be really cool. Awesome. Are, is there any plans at some point to I, I know you're all about it's all about moving forward momentum and whatnot. But has there ever been an idea to look back in the past and, and get maybe a deluxe reissues of some of the older records like uh rage for order and warning i know there was an original mix for the warning that was never released that uh unfortunately the the with the original intended track sequencing is there anything like that that you would cater to like doing in the future at some point uh you know the the possibilities are there but it's like opening up a can of worms yeah i mean i mean i have the the uh the original demo tape of the warning that James Guthrie, uh, you know, mixed. And, uh, you know, that's back when we were recording in London and, you know, he, he worked on the wall with Pink Floyd and everything. And, and the, uh, you know, sadly the, the record company didn't see that, you know, and, um, they took the uh, masters away from him, which was sad because that version of the warning is, is pretty awesome. Are there any, uh, substantial differences just in, in sound? Yeah. Yeah. It's the whole, you know, it's the whole package. It's, it's, you know, it's the layers, it's the way songs go into each other. It's, uh, um, you know, that, that was, the way it was uh, supposed to be, you know, recorded. Right. And, 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 and then moving f forward now, you've already worked with uh, Chris Zeus Harris now for uh, about three, four albums. Uh, are you planning on continuing that relationship with him in the studio? Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's a vital part of the band. Um, you know, there, there's uh, a big loyalty factor. There's a trust factor. Um, uh, we know, you know, he'll push the envelope with us and get the best performances out of us. And he just kind of keeps us all corralled, you know, and, and um, focused. 
And plus, you know, he's just a cool guy to hang out with as well. So I think, you know, if, uh, I think we'll always, you know, approach Zeus first and, you know, hopefully he'll be able to record with us in the future. Fantastic. You guys are ready. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys are ready. Uh, you already have a, some material already brewing for whatever comes next because, uh, from what I've heard in the past, past stories, there's always a little bit of extra stuff left over. Yeah. Well, just in the recording of Digital Noise Alliance, I mean, we had like 20, 22 ideas. So we we had to uh, uh, pick 11 songs out of that. So, yeah, there's a lot of material that could be worked and uh, there's some really great stuff. So. But I don't know what we're going to do. Nobody knows what we're going to do. We're going to tour on this for a while. So, um, but when we get to that point, uh, you know, we'll start thinking about the next album. And you know, we don't know what it'll be. It may be a live album. It may be a conceptual album. It may be just a, another Queensrÿche album. Who knows? But you know, right now it's time to promote the Digital Noise Alliance. Yeah, it's a fantastic record, so rightfully so. And in conclusion, I have to ask you, there's been 40 years now of Queensryche. Is there one album for you that you have that to you really has a, you know, has an endearing place in your heart? One record that to you is the ultimate Queensryche album or not even, but one that you just have the fondness of memories with. Is there one in particular for you? Um, Not one, but I, I think, you know, the, the era of Rage for Order and Operation Mindcrime. I think those were uh, uh, special uh, days of, of the band just finding its own identity, you know, and just growing as writers and, you know, just forming Queensryche, basically. So I think those are probably, uh, they, they hold a special place, definitely. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Michael Wilson of Queensryche, thank you so much for being on Sonic Dorms and for giving uh, me a shot here because I'm building my own little music community here uh, just uh, little by little. And uh, I really, really uh, am gracious to anybody who decides to partake in that journey with me because uh, to me, music is everything. And to me, we need more people talking about, it, especially with new music, uh, whether that be from Older artists or younger artists doesn't matter to me. Music is uh, an ultimate factor, and we all need to contribute a little bit of something just by voicing our opinions on it to me. So I appreciate you taking the time to do this with me today. Yeah, and, you know, we appreciate the support. And, uh, you know, just um, for you and your listeners, um, you know, just support live music. The the bands uh, are counting on it, you know, so and and live music is the best so yeah uh, to me buy a shirt go 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 support your bands i mean to me that that's that's it really and uh you'll have a great experience of course with queensrike so again michael wilton of queensrike uh michael again uh, all the best to you and uh, to the success of the band right on max